those lovely notes from Giuseppe Verdi mean it's time for another edition of Syria Sit Down, or this week we can call it the Richard Carmen on Sirius XM FC postgame show. Uh, <laughs> either way, it's World Football Index's podcast on Calcio at the highest level. I'm Frank Cravello. Glad you've clicked on and gotten stuck in with us. And joining me, of course, is co-host Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. <laughs> Ciao, Frank. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> You like that? I'm just glad you came back and did the sit-down with me today. I thought you'd big-time me after doing that spot with uh, Charlie and Neil over there on SiriusXMFC. I debated it. It was a last-minute decision, really, you know, but I thought it was better for this for the program to keep continuing if I came back. <laughs> for, for those of you that don't have uh, SiriusXMFC or don't have access to the on-demand app or didn't get to listen to it live, in, in summary, it was like this. Richard, what do you think of... <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> you were actually good. I just had to point out that you were very, you were talking very, very fast. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned to me you were in your car uh, giving the interview and you were freezing. And I that's was why you freezing my ass off in the car. But, it, you know, it was fun. It was fun to be on there for sure. And, uh, yeah. You can... You can be on the you can be on the phone with him in your house. <laughs> no, well, see, I got a puppy and he's uh he's very active vocally, and so I didn't want that to you know transmit on the air. So that's why I went in there. Okay. But my okay. wife my wife leaves around the same time, so it would have been it was just bad timing at that point. I thought it would just been if it's like me in the morning after having a couple of cups of coffee. I'm just I'm Jittery. just fat. I'm just faster in speech by nature, and I just thought that maybe that's what it was. Well, I did have three <laughs> cups of coffee just before that, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the combination of that and being cold in your car and wanting to get an interview over with, I can I, I can certainly appreciate that. But no, great spot, um, you know, with uh, with with uh, Charlie Stilettano, uh, who I considered the uh, godfather of Sirius XMFC, uh, and then Neil Barnett from Chelsea TV. So uh, uh, if you do have Sirius XMFC, go back in your archives on demand. It was a good listen. Richard did a great job. Represented the sit down quite well, my friend. Good work. Thank you, sir. And Charlie Stilettano, if you happen to be listening to this pod. Uh, the door is open. Come and join us. Uh, come and join us and be a guest. Um, we'd, uh, we'd love to have you. So, um, so, uh, so we start off with that, uh, me by, by comparison, <laughs> I spilled coffee all over myself. <laughs> just, uh, just a day later. I did. I, I, did you hear, did you see, did yeah, you, hear you had a little bit of rough start this morning, huh? Uh, not this morning. Oh, yesterday, yesterday, yesterday morning. Yeah. After having to wake up at like 5 a.m. Um, because my daughter had been sick and she just wasn't going back to sleep. So I had to do that. And then I'd take my son swimming and I leave early enough to go get coffee. They go in the drive thru and they fill it all the way up to the top. And then I don't know that they have the, don't have the cap on at, you know, you know, at, at the best. So I pull into the parking lot and I kind of aggressively grab my cup of coffee. The cap just flies off. Coffee just flies everywhere. I mean, just, and I mean, not, and by everywhere, I mean my lap. I think I think these people is doing it on purpose. I always check yeah. Liz now because this happened to me before too. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah, nothing pisses I, me off more. Well, I went to Star it, and 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 you know, I'll, I'll give Starbucks their props. They, I did get a free cup today. I, I went and they said, listen, you're not gonna be, you, you're gonna think I'm crazy, but this really did happen. <laughs> I told them the story and they, no questions asked, gave me a free cup of coffee and they actually admitted they'd been having problems with the cap. So. You know, this show has uh, been sponsored by Starbucks. Thank you for that. <laughs> just be careful if you go to a Starbucks and get a coffee these days with those caps. They uh, they 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 can, they can be a little bit of faulty. We could have had a uh, Kramer and uh, Jackie Childs moment uh, out of uh, out of Seinfeld. So 
Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not that petty, and I didn't really injure myself that, all that badly, although my son learned a couple of slang words yesterday. So I had to remind him only daddy says those things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had matched week 21 going on, and uh, nine games happen on Sunday, Richard, and then we've got a game on Monday, which we'll uh, break down and talk about. But before we get into that, we want to uh, talk about a couple of storylines. First of all, most noteworthy, um, Ronaldinho officially uh, hanging it up and calling it a career, uh, retiring. Obviously, spent some time at AC Milan after uh, a a very nice spell at Barcelona. Um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll 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 ask you about your favorite memories of Ronaldinho, but it's automatic for me when my wife and I got to go see the derby in uh, uh, in 2008 and, and at the San Siro, and when he scored uh, and, and with his head of all parts of his body. Um, you know, uh, easily my favorite Ronaldinho moment in a, in a, in a career full of them. How about you? Yeah. I mean, that game in particular, I mean, just the passes and the moves that we were all used to from seeing Barcelona. Um, he brought it over to Milan and he, it was everything that we remembered. I mean, obviously he was maybe a step slower than before, but it, it still held it all the talent, all the tricks. Um, but that a first game he played at the, in the derby. Uh, getting that uh, nice pass from Kaká and then getting a, a header of all goals. I think that's the first header I've ever seen him score. Uh, to get that, the only, it's, it's the only one. The only, the only header I've ever seen him score. <laughs> yeah. And so for his first goal against Inter in the Derby, uh, that was just a magical moment right there. And then throughout the season, I think um, that season he ended up having like 14 league assists, which was the most since like the 04-05 season. So um, that, that, I mean, it was not only a good, you know celebrity type status uh, signing but i mean he actually delivered the goods too so uh i just it's 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 unfortunate he has to retire now but i mean everyone every everyone's time comes so uh good for him yeah uh, it, it, was, it was definitely memorable his whole career really so father time is uh you know certainly undefeated uh to stay to say the least um so uh you know uh, but what a legendary career for him! A World Cup winner, a Champions League. He, he's he, another one that's won everything. Um, yeah. So does he make your? Uh, if you had to do your pieces of me over, does he make your team? Oh, that is that is tough. Um, I think he would just miss. It. He'd be like a first alternate. I mean, so many good people. I mean, ah, oh, man, it's hard. He would be. He would be in the in the running for sure. Okay. Yeah. I I I I fought around with that a little bit and trying to figure it out and. Uh, 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 when Pirlo officially called the retirement, I said, well, he's automatically in for Sadorf. I had Sadorf in yeah. the spot. And so this is basically Sadorf's keeping it warm until Pirlo uh, there, officially retires. There are just so many playmakers throughout history that could fit in this, in this, in, in the team. So it's hard to pick just one. You know, attackers a little bit more, more easier. Defensive midfielders a lot more easier, but those attacking midfielders, just so many throughout history that, uh, it's just hard to choose, you know, just three or whatever your formation is. Sure, sure. I mean, if I had to put him in, um, it would probably be, and I, and I say this with a lump in my throat, I say this over Roberto Baggio, um, okay, yeah. you know, just kind of sitting, you know, cause I, I, I don't like, I, I, I don't want to take out Savicevic. I don't want to take out Zidane, uh, who would be probably the other ideal guys. And I need a goal scorer. So I don't want to take out Shevchenko. Uh, uh yeah, you can't take out Sheva. Yeah. So, so that's where he would probably end up sitting for me. He'd, he'd, he'd replace Baggio if I did. I'm going to, Keep Baggio in there, and you know when I may need to make a substitution, maybe Ronaldinho comes on just for the sake of it, and that's my own preference. And I'll probably have a lot of uh, you know Brazil fans angry at me for that, but it's my team. You can pick whoever you want. So. <laughs> that's right. 
So, but no, uh, you know, legendary career. I mean, he, he, he won just about everything. And I think that he most notably, I think, made his mark on that uh, free kick goal uh, in the 2002 World Cup against England. Uh, uh, yeah. I think that's was a Seaman and David Seaman goal, I think it was. And yeah, he looked it right over his head. Caught him off his line. David Seaman's had that happen to him a few times in his career. When was it? 95, the Cup Winners' Cup final. He had that happen to him mm. um, against Real Zaragoza. Uh, and um, and I'm trying to remember the name. Naeem was, this, was the goal scorer. Just launched uh, okay, one yeah. in the run of play from about 50 yards away. And it, it cleared over his head. And I think just like in 2002, I think at the end of the game, you just cameras flashing on Seaman trying to take trying to get his boot out of the net. <laughs> that it, they've got, you know, he got he got beaten so badly, and he's trying to retrieve it, and he falls, and he slides so much that he gets his he gets he gets his studs caught in the net. So, and I think the same thing happened when Ronaldinho scored. I might be wrong, but uh, Spe- speaking of bad day, you know, you were talking about yesterday you had a bad day. Sporting Guillon, uh, their goalkeeper got scored on by the goalkeeper for Lugo uh, yesterday with a goal, another you know sixty yard bomb or something like that. Um, so I'm sure he was uh, having David Seaman flashbacks there, but I digress. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Donnarumma knows what it's like to get scored on by a goalkeeper. So, he's <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. So, so Ronaldinho. Let, let, I mean, what, you 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 run out of you run out of adjectives for him, really. Uh, you know, excellent career. Uh, you know, from that, that legend to another legend. Uh, milestone birthday, Richard Gianluigi Buffon turned forty. Forty, uh, a young forty. Yeah. Yep. Or turning forty, I believe he's forty tomorrow. Um. I, I I don't know exactly. We, I, I know it's a, I know it's this week, um, but uh, you know he, it's his final. Uh, it's the final game of his career or final season of his career. Um, you know we're we're sad that he's not going to have uh, one last opportunity at a World Cup. Thanks, Jean Piero Ventura. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Buffon at forty, and I'm sure at the end of the season when 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 everything's wrapped up, we'll probably offer. Uh, We'll probably offer, uh, you know, when we get back to doing the Globe, we'll probably do a Globe pod to reflect on Buffon's career, uh, do something pretty similar to what we did with Totti. But, real, you know, immediately, your thoughts on uh, Gigi Buffon? Uh, he's the greatest in this position, really. I mean, um, gosh, what he's done and for how long he's done it, that's probably the most remarkable thing. Yes, there's goaltenders that have had fantastic seasons or five-year stretches. This is 20 years in the making. I mean, this guy is... Um, <sighs> From from the from the nineties all the way through now, he's been you know performing top notch, making big saves. I mean, just look at last year in the Champions League, he was making big saves. You know, so it's just never ending with this guy, and he's pure class, pure charisma. There's no one better. I mean, in his position, I mean, ever. And and like I said, as soon as he retires, he's automatically in my top my top eleven starting. He's when I watch, you know, and my son will be six years old uh, next month. And there are certain players that I just want him to watch, not just because of their talent as, as players, but, you know, the, the, the way they carry themselves. Okay. Um, you know, I don't think it's open for debate. Gianluigi Buffon is the greatest goalkeeper of all time. He's the greatest goalkeeper I've ever seen. Um, hands but hands, yeah, hands down. Um, but the sportsman that he is, um, is, makes makes him even more impressive you know you you watch him and i want to look at my son and say do you see how he's behaving himself that's how you behave yourself on a on a on a on a a football pitch okay or you know after a game if you've been beaten you go and and you man up and you shake hands okay or 
you know, he didn't start, uh, what was it Euro 2016? Um, you know, Italy already had their place in the next round, uh, already had the group clinched. Uh, they play Ireland. He isn't starting. They, uh, they went with, um, uh, they went with the backup. I want to say it was Marchetti, but anyway, Ireland get a late winner. And who's the first one to, to come off the, the bench to, to come up to all the Ireland players and shake their hands and hug them and congratulate them for yeah. winning and qualifying? It's Gigi Buffon. So, um, you know, and his passion. Uh, Just look at him singing the national anthem. Is anything better than, than watching him sing the national anthem? That passion that comes oh, out. Oh, it's it's awesome. Singing at the top of his lungs. It's awesome. It could be a friendly. Um, it could be whatever. He's every time. It's awesome, and uh, you know that's you know when you have you, you have children and they're watching sports. Those are the play. Those are the players that you want them to watch the most. Uh, because uh, they they set the best examples, and 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 for me, Gigi Buffon has always set the most positive example, and I think that that. That for me resonates almost as much as his talent. I mean, he's an, he's the, the, again, the greatest goalkeeper of all time. Uh, you know, but, uh, one of the best, one of the best sportsmen and one of the best representatives of the game, uh, you're going to find. Uh, so, uh, you know, when he does finally hang it up, uh, there will be a void that Juventus really needs to fill. And they're, they're, they're somewhat filling it right now with, uh, you know, with Chesney standing in while Buffon's been injured. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's a, there's there's a, there's a there's a pretty big gap between Wojciech Chesney and, and Gigi Buffon. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's no question about it. Anyone anyone who says other, other anyone who says otherwise is probably a Juventus fan. Yep, yep. <laughs> Even then, they they know. I mean, Juve fans are pro- well right now with the way Juve are going and not giving up any goals. You're like, ah, you know, Chesney's not so bad. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Probably saying the same thing about Neto last year too. So because right, right. I think Neto, the way we say 750 minutes, Neto played last season and he only conceded two goals. Yeah. So, um, but uh, you know, but be that as it may, but uh, yeah, uh, a happy birthday to Gianluigi Buffon, an absolute legend. Uh, you know. <laughs> don't need to say more about him than, than what's already been said throughout his career. So, uh, so just a little quick vision, visit on the legends. Uh, let's talk uh, a little bit of transfer news here. We, we typically, again, if you heard us, if you listened to our podcast last year, we hate, uh, talking January transfers, but finally there's some that are actually worth talking about. Um, so we'll, we'll quick dive into, uh, some of these Richard, and we're going to start the most noteworthy have been happening at inter. Um, Rafinha has joined from Barcelona and Lisandro Lopez, uh, center back, Argentinian center back has joined from Benfica. Uh, your reaction to Inter making a couple of moves here? It shows that they're serious about, um, their Champions League aspirations. They, they, they saw that they had a couple of voids in their lineups and they wanted to correct them. Lissandro Lopez actually reminds me a lot of, uh, Mateo Muzacchio, actually, if you watch the, watch the highlights of him from, um, at, over at Benfica and also his time yep. before. Uh, so he's, he's a very well-rounded, raw defender, but, uh, he has a lot of potential with him. So, I mean, he's going to obviously try to, it'll take him a while to get in the lineup, but once he does, I think it'll be a good pickup to be, you know, a partner with maybe a screen yard ultimately. So we'll see with that. And then Rafinha, I mean, he's, he's, he's a good player. I mean, Barcelona don't have uh, many scrubs on their team. Uh, even if you're not a, a starter, you're still pretty good when you're at Barcelona. Uh, the question is, how does he do now without the, the likes of Messi and Suarez around him and stuff? I, I think this player will be fine and he will help, um, he will help in the midfield, certainly. Uh, you know, if guys like Gagliardini and, and, and Vecino and, 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 uh, uh, Borja Valero don't pick up their game, uh, this guy's gonna take their spot without a doubt. On the Lissandro Lopez, uh, uh, 
uh, deal. It looks like it's a uh, loan. Um, Benfica don't have a whole lot to play for anymore these days over there in the Portuguese league, pretty much finishing last in the Champions League group. So um, loan a few players out and get them off their books for a little while here. Lisandro Lopez is one of them. Uh, or do you see this being a uh, permanent move to Inter Milan? It was kind of interesting to me. Lisandro Lopez said uh, – uh, did you see what he, his his reaction was to to his move? He says, uh, "Inter are a club that everyone dreams of playing for." However, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Don't, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't milk this too much, there, Lissandro. Yeah. I mean, if he does well, if he ended up doing well for them, I can see Inter trying to get him pro- on a permanent basis. But it all depends on uh, you know if they give if uh, Spalletti gives him a chance, and we know how Spalletti is with newcomers; he doesn't tend to. Insert him into the lineup. Uh, he likes. To, he has his tried and true guys, and tends to stick with them. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, and if you can see Miranda having a slip up as an example, um, you know, Lissandro Lopez is certainly an, an able replacement. Uh, you know, Ranocchia has has been a little bit better. Uh, you know, in the in the spot opportunities he's gotten for Inter, but he's still not. Uh, you know, to to the level that I think we probably expected of him at this stage of his career. I thought the, uh, uh, so. I thought the interesting deal was uh, the Rafinha one because it's a loan with an option to buy for 35 mil. Uh, so Barcelona, they had, Barcelona and Inter had a, a gentleman's agreement. And this agreement was, <laughs> we'll give you Rafinha, but you can't sell Icardi to, in, to Real Madrid because he was one of our guys. So if you go, if you are going to sell him, we want to have a, a first crack at him and be able to equal what Real Madrid is going to put out there. Yep. But, but then there's another little clause that says, or another, you know, another part of the gentleman's agreement that says, if, um, if you decide to buy Rafinha outright after this deal, then will the deal is all, or the, the gentleman agreement's off and you can sell inter, or Icardi to whoever, whomever you want. So that's an sure. interesting little wrinkle there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of a, uh, kind of a right of first refusal on a player or something to that, to that yeah, effect. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you've seen these kind of things happen before though. Um, so, you know, interesting move, especially when it was talked about that Icardi was, was linked to Real Madrid. Uh, so, uh, you know, dangle the old carrot, I guess. Um, some, some noteworthy, uh, some noteworthy ones after that. I mean, there's nothing that's, that's a whole lot crazy. I suppose, uh, Philippe Juricic, uh, you know, being surplus to requirements at Sampdoria and he's going to have a spell here at Benevento to try to help, yeah. uh, yeah. get their survival push going. Um, Benevento, in fact, bringing over Sandro uh, yeah, yeah. from uh, from uh, Antalya Spor. I, I didn't even I didn't even know Sandro was still alive, let alone playing. I guess um, <laughs> shows you how much Turkish league football I watch. <laughs> so um, this is kind of like uh, you know this is this is I I, I said on the Calcio Consultant, uh, and I think I I, I commented on both of these. Um, both of these pickups talking about Benevento and whether or not uh, they're going to actually pull off this miracle like Crotone did last season. And I think I said, well, I, since I picked them to be relegated, I'm going to stick with them being relegated, but it, I'm not going to hate it if they survive. And, and from at least a couple of pickups like these, which, you know, certainly isn't going to strike fear at anybody They're They're, they're certainly trying to at least make this interesting. Though. Yeah. Make their team a little bit better. Why yep. not? No yeah. Why not? Other than that, uh, not a whole lot. Uh, you know, Marco Piazza is certainly uh, surplus to requirements at Juventus with some of the players that they picked up, especially yeah. in the summer. When you sc- think about he scored in his debut for Schalke, so that's good for Juventus. That he's, yeah. he's scoring there already. So, And then uh, we heard, obviously, the rumor with Dzeko and Emerson possibly going to Chelsea. Uh, that's a rumor right now, but we'll, I guess we'll see. I know Totti was uh, making fun of uh, 
uh, Jekyll today on the way to the game uh, on the train. So it'll be interesting yeah. if that happens. That's uh, what, what do you what do you what do you get if if that actually that deal actually does happen come to fruition? What does that say about Roma? It's uh, it it's a setback for them, really. I mean, when you know, unless they've got an ace up their sleeve, unless Monkey has an ace up his sleeve here before the before they, the deadline, they do have Patrick Schick still that's waiting in the wings. I mean. Jekyll is thirty one, so I can I can see why they'd want to sell him now because it's, it's either now or never. So, yeah, uh, but still, I mean, he, he's their best player, best scorer right now. So it's a head scratcher. But you know something, he hasn't been the same this year. I mean, he's got nine goals on the season. Well, he lost, uh, nine, you know. But yeah, he has not. It has not gone well for him since uh, you know not having Mo Salah, uh, you know, providing him service. Uh, you know, among other players, of course. Um, you know, and 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 certainly Spalletti's set up as evidenced by how Mauro Icardi's playing this season. Yeah. Really, uh, really allows the center forward to be successful. It's been a little bit of a different animal here this season for Jekyll uh, under Eusebio Di Francesco. Um, just a, a couple, uh, you know, poke fun uh, uh, moves here. Well, one poke fun move, and then the other one that's actually you know mildly noteworthy. But okay, Hellas Verona is an awful football team. Uh, they give up a lot of goals, so they have bad defenders on their team. How bad of a defender are you, and how bad of a footballer are you, when you are getting released from your contract at Hellas Verona? <laughs> Michelangelo, Michelangelo Albertazzi, who actually had a spell at Milan, yeah, uh, for a little while, he was released, uh, or at least shows me on this uh, the page that I go to that he's now a free agent. So thought I'd poke a little, thought I'd kick a man while he's down. Um, <laughs> And then the other, another noteworthy one, Genoa has uh, released Giuseppe Rossi. Uh, oh, he'll, wow. He's a free, he's a free agent. Um, you know, so that uh, that did show up here uh, on the feed. So um, injuries have just crushed that guy uh, at yeah, this point. You know, um, and uh, and that's really what it is. Do you think it's MLS next for him? Does he dare show his face in America? I mean, why not? I mean, he, I mean, he might as well. I mean, I don't know who else is going to take him. He tried to see, he tried over in Spain, didn't work out, unless he wants to go to Turkey or something like that or China. But I think MLS is probably the best thing there. And you'd be close to his family in New Jersey if, you know, if they're still, I'm sure he still has family over there. So that's probably sure. the best, best place for him to go. Look what Giovinco is doing. Obviously, Giovinco is a lot better player. But uh, at, one, at one point in time, Giuseppe Rossi was, was a pretty good player. Right. Indeed. Indeed. No, so that's what we've got really on the on the Serie transfers. Looks like Inter's made the moves here. Looks like Roma's going to be uh, a little light here uh, by the end of January, unless, uh, like I said, Monkey might have something up his sleeve uh, that none of us know about um, that could be flying under the radar, or they could be very happy with how Patrick Schick is coming along that they might be able to, uh, you know, turn the keys over to him. So, yeah. Uh, any thoughts on? Uh, January transfers or anything that you've been seeing, uh, let us know. It's City I sit down on Twitter uh, or Instagram. Richard, let's say we recap some games, huh? Let's do it. All right, here we go with a recap of Match Week 21. And uh, kicking us off was a very good uh, uh, match to uh, whet the appetite, or at least uh, all the games happened on Sunday this weekend. And it was Atalanta and Napoli uh, getting us started. Um, this game uh, taking place at the Atleti Azzurri d'Italia in Bergamo. Uh, 
Gian Mario Gasparini's men starting to make the ascent up the Serie A table now that there isn't Europa League to deal with here for another few weeks. Uh, Napoli obviously trying to fight off Juventus and remain top of the table. Uh, so certainly an interesting game on the cards with two teams that are in a very good run of form. Um, interesting one for me uh, to start with uh, here. Uh, this was actually a very cagey game um, yeah, in, the, yeah. in the first half. Uh, we didn't have the uh, festival of football. In fact, uh, we, you know, you know, Napoli certainly had more of the shots, but there wasn't a whole lot of quality to their, uh, uh, to the chances that they had in this game, Richard. Yeah, and the, and the kudos has to go to Atalanta. They're playing very. Their 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 intent was to stifle Napoli's offense, in which they did. Uh, it was pretty much a stalemate the first half. But I gotta say something about the the opening uh, coin toss or flip toss. That has to be the shortest uh, coin toss ever. You had you had on one side Papu Gomez and the other side Lorenzo Insigne. I mean, the guys probably averaged at five one. Uh, I've never seen a shorter flip, uh, coin toss in in history. But uh, I didn't yeah. see that. How high did he toss the coin? Uh, I think it's about five five, so it's way over their head, you know. One of those guys could have broken their neck looking up <laughs> exactly. at it as it was coming before it was coming down. Uh, but going back, yeah, but going back to Atalanta, they they had an uh, Gasparini had an intent in this game, and that was to stifle Napoli at least, and it worked in the beginning. And for the most part of the game, Napoli um, they didn't have they didn't have, they weren't the same beautiful playing football that we were used to because of what Atalanta were doing, and both teams were pretty much canceling each other out. I mean, like you said, it was a cagey affair. So right. it would it would stay this way for the first hour or so of the game, but on the 65th minute, uh, the team that's at the top of the table struck first. Sale lo spagnolo che cerca la palla dentro per Mertes. E buono in area di rigore. Mertes torna a segnare nel momento più importante, nel momento decisivo. Dries Mertens, Atalanta 0, Napoli 1. Dries Mertens with that goal, and uh, that would be it for the scoring, in fact. Napoli would get that goal and, and hold off Atalanta for the 1-0 win. Um, you know, let's start with Napoli on this one, Richard. It's it's simple. You build your campaign. You, when, you, when you're building a title campaign, 1-0 uh, victories, especially away 1-0 victories against good teams, are essential. Yeah. And I mean, last year we were talking about how Napoli would score a lot of goals, but they gave up some goals too. This year they found a way to win those one nothing games, those two nothing games. Uh, the you know Kenny Kenny over from uh, Semper Napoli he put out a stat today that said Napoli have eleven clean sheets in twenty one matches, which is one shy of their total for all of last year. So you can tell their their defense is obviously better. Um, you know we said this many times in the past with with Juventus. It doesn't matter. You don't have to win beautiful every game. You just have to win. You know, win, yeah. winning ugly is just as important as winning pretty. And, you know, games like this is when you need to win big. And this is a big opponent for, for Napoli. Atalanta have been one of the hottest teams in Serie A. So the fact that they could get a win and a low scoring win in a tough place like Bergamo, uh, kudos as a, you know, absolutely fantastic performance by Napoli. Yeah. And another fun fact here, this also coming from at Napoli stats, our friend Ken, who we had on a couple of weeks ago. Napoli have not lost on the road in Serie A in their last 24 matches away from the San Paolo wow. Road Warriors. Yeah. And uh, they have to go to the J. So this little buildup of uh, this little buildup and this little run of uh, uh, consecutive uh, results without a loss uh, is going to serve them well when they have to go into that match. You know what's, you know what's, what's going to serve them well is Dries Mertens getting on the score sheet. It ended his, what, like 900-minute scoreless drought. Um, they need that guy to be on the score sheet too. So if you, if you get him, his confidence back, you got that, you know, road swagger going, 
anything is possible going into that game against Juventus. So uh, it's going to be must-see TV for not only Italian fans, but I mean European fans in general. That's going to be that's going to be the game. We're going to see, you know, it's going to be probably a one-point gap at that point. So I mean, that's the title race right there, possibly. That could be absolutely. Um, the uh, Marek Hamšík, how'd you what'd you think of him today? Uh, he did he did well. I thought. I mean, there was a goal that he he scored in the after Merton's goal that sh- I thought should have stayed and should have counted, but it didn't. I mean, it, it was it was a decent performance considering who you were playing against. You're playing Atalanta, so um, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a poor performance by any stretch, and it wasn't it wasn't a fantastic performance. It was a, it was a solid performance by him. So uh, like like I said, he probably that goal should have counted that he scored later uh, later on in the game. But I mean, it is what it is. They won the game if it. it if they end up drawing that game, I, I could say a lot of controversy coming from from the Naples uh, Naples contingent, but uh, they won, so that was the, the thing that matters ultimately. Yep, and uh, I think you penned Napoli for a win on the uh, on, on on the football show on Friday when you gave your predictions. So. Yeah, said a tight one, and it was tight. Yeah, you know, who, you, know who, you know who was good in that game was Pepe Reina. He made some big saves at the end of the game. He did. He did to keep a minute and to, to preserve the three points. So. You know, if at the end of the season Napoli is lifting uh, lifting this trophy and, and, and winning this Scudetto and fulfilling their pack, they're going to look at this as as, as three of the more three of the more important points that they put up on the board. So, um, you know, so good on them, and they continue a great run as we pointed out uh, in their away in their away form. And uh, you know, again, Ken from uh, at Napoli stats. See what I did there, Richard? I didn't take that. I I I, I cited Ken. As did I. Exactly. And that's, and, that's and should said, be done. Yes, and you know, Ken Ken found it. Ken put it up. I'm citing him and giving him credit. I'm not saying that I came up with this wonderful idea. I saw it on Twitter, and I'm so Ken. I'm I I credit I'm crediting you for that uh, for that nugget, and, uh, and and thank you for letting me use it on Syria on sit down, even though I didn't ask for permission. I, <laughs> I did I did cite him though for it. So um, so at least did that. So so there we go. That's just uh, that's just to add on to what happened two weeks to, to the little rant I went on two weeks ago. So. Uh, do you want to move on? And uh, do you want to do you want to take Bologna into that Benevento for the people? Benevento and uh, Bologna. That was an interesting matchup. Um, going into this matchup, Benevento were on a magical two-game winning streak. Uh, they, you know, uh, under De Serbi, they found new life. It seems uh, they drew their first game and then they went on to win two more games. You know, everyone's everyone, and I mean everyone. It's it's kind of like Crotone when everyone got behind them last year. Uh, everyone's been pulling for Benevento recently, and especially this game, people thought, you know, hey, this is Bologna who has been a bit of a dip of form. They started out this season pretty hot. Uh, they were very close to the Champions League spots actually in the beginning of the season, but now they've been slowly dropping down the table. Uh, everyone thought that Benevento had a chance to get another win in this game, but um, unfortunately, in the uh, 35th minute. Uh, nice little beautiful pass passing from uh, Bologna contingent and it uh, ended up finding uh, Destro. Verdi che parte col mancino palla dentro e c'è il gol del Bologna. Sembra tutto regolare, Mattia Destro è andato a colpire ancora lui. Mattia Destro getting the board, getting Bologna up one nothing, and then that's how it go into halftime. At this point, it's um, it's nothing too out of the too out of the too out of far stretch for uh, Benevento to try to get back into it. They did. They did have plenty of opportunities both in first half and then to start the second half. But then there was a goal that at first it wasn't, but then it was. Uh, Sebastian De Mayo, he ended up getting a toe poke in there, getting a goal. There's question of offsides. Um, Frank, I think they went to VAR and it, 
VAR came out and said it was a good goal. Did you agree with it? Yeah, it's one of the few times that VAR has actually uh, gotten it right so far. Uh, going to it, uh, you know, has 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 bore fruit here. Uh, I thought it was. I thought in the run of play, the the goal was fine. So, um, but you know, I, one of those where it was worth going going to VAR and, and and making sure that they get it right. So this is when VAR is good. Yeah. No, I mean, there's times when it interrupts. Sometimes <clears throat> it's his mind scratching, like head scratching. When why are they going to VAR and the calls you, which is obvious to the viewers, is obviously isn't that working enough for the referees? The referees, just, I don't know what they're looking at. Maybe the screen is really small. Maybe they're looking at their phones. I don't know. Um, so, but this time they they definitely got it right. So it was two nothing at this point, and it's it's looking very unlikely that that Benevento are going to get a point out of this, or much less a win. Uh, they kept fighting. It was it was pretty tough. Their fate was sealed, actually, uh, in the 88th minute. E ora un 5 contro 3. Attenzione, Gemailic. Lo spazio per il destro. Gemaili! Blairim Gemaili! Blairim Gemaili with a nice goal to, uh, seal all three points for Bologna with a 3 nothing win. Um, Benevento, their run, their winning streak is over at two games. Uh, but they, they started out well, but, Ultimately, Bologna were just too much for them. Roberto Donadoni, uh, it was a good, good tactical setup to, to stifle the, to stifle the, uh, the visitors. And, uh, you know, they needed it because they've been on a little bit of a, a downward spiral as of late. So, you know, to get any points, they can. And against Benevento, where you really you should, uh, they, they got the points they needed. I mean, it's, uh, but it's, as far as it's, as far as it's concerned, yeah, Bologna needed this. I mean, they needed it to, to 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 keep themselves in a healthy position in the table. I mean, they're twelve, um, but you know, at least some uh, some breathing room here from the um, uh, you know from the bottom sides from the three bottom sides. They're now eleven points clear of the drop, so that's a very healthy position for them to be in. And it's been you know Benevento away. I mean, they, they, where have they gotten their results? They've gotten all of their results in their home matches. So you know, so some of this is a little bit expected with them. They haven't sorted out how to be you know, a, a team that can go out and get results in away fixtures. Um, you know, I think the one game, one away match that I saw Benevento where they had the best chance was at Atalanta. Um, you know, a game where they really showed a lot of fight and uh, made it very miserable on, on their opponent uh, before, you know, eventually conceding a goal and, and dropping all three points. It was one of Roberto De Zerbi's first games. Uh, you know, but Benevento have been doing their damage at home. They go away here to Bologna, um, and, uh, it, uh, it just doesn't go well for them. Now they travel to Torino next and then host Napoli and then host, host Roma. So, um, it, it's going to get ugly before we start seeing any more points and can have any more, you know, yeah. talk about a miracle, uh, for Benevento at this point. Yeah. I mean, Crotone had a tough stretch last year too, but they, 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 it came out of it, you know, on the, on the flip side. So we'll see what Benevento can do, but it's not looking good for them. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, another match, uh, involving some, uh, relegation strugglers here. We had Hellas Verona hosting Crotone. Um, and, uh, the, 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 the real highlight of the game, it only took three minutes for us to have one. Il tiro giro di Barberis! Una traiettoria meravigliosa! Il Crotone è già in avanti! Segna Barberis! Stunning free kick from Andrea Barberis, Richard. Oh, it was a beautiful... I mean, I had to take a, a second look at that because I was like, who took that? And Barberis, really? Uh, it was well struck, well struck. You broke out that Crotone jersey after that, didn't you? I did, I did. <laughs> 
it would be 1-0 at halftime and then goals from Adrian Stoyan and Federico Ricci for the visitors. A 3-0 win over Hellas Verona. Uh, getting Crotone out of the drop. Um, two points yeah. clear. They moved up to 17th. Uh, and Verona, they're sitting there on 13 points. I mean, it just gets it just gets worse with Hellas Verona. I mean, I don't think anybody expect – there would be a struggle for safety. We knew that. But we'd – I, with the players that they have available to them, I didn't think they'd be this bad. No, and it's, it's I don't get it because they have, you know, former Serie A players. I mean, who've been in Serie A before, so you'd think that there'd be a well adapted to the game, and they played really well last season when they're in Serie B. Obviously, it's a different league, but still, these guys uh, they've done it before. Pazzini, um, Cherchi, obviously they don't have uh, what's his name, um, Cassano, but you know. They still got good players on the team. It's mind boggling. Like you said, Albertazzi got let go. Well, obviously the whole team's underperforming and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if more guys got let go the way they perform. Casares went to Lazio. That's the other, uh, yeah. uh, the other noteworthy one. And we got Romulo, who's a decent player. Yeah. Uh, uh, big shock. Bruno Zuccolini was sent off, uh, in the 61st minute. Had another red card to them. He's firmly, it's he's like firmly cementing his, yeah, he's firmly cementing his place in the crap on a cracker team. Uh, but, <laughs> You know, nine shots. I mean, but, but I mean, they did have sixty-two percent possession in this game. They had nine shots, four on target. Alex Cordas, our crap on a cracker goalkeeper, getting a clean sheet um, and making four saves in this game. Um, you know, but uh, it, it's just it's uh, when you, when you looked at this team going into the season on paper from the talent standpoint, they're, they're, I, there's at least two teams that they're better than, which would you know, we knew they were they probably they're better than Benevento. Um, but then on paper, you'd had to think they were better than Spall and they were better than Crotone, which would have been enough for them to stay up. But, yeah. uh, but there they are, uh, you know, sitting in 19th. And for Crotone, uh, here we go again with them. And now, you know, last year was Davide Nicola. This year, uh, you know, Walter Zenga, uh, you know, trying to weave a little bit of magic here, uh, know. you know, and getting them the results. I know that, uh, we had a Twitter question from at Rick Afka and he was saying, he was asking us, you know, what's wrong with Crotone? But, you know, as of late, Crotone have started turning around and they're, they're back to what they did last year. They started out the seasons, they were struggling. They couldn't get it together. They were, it looked like it was Syria was too much for them, but they've turned it around. They found a way again. Like you, like you just said, with this little bit of, uh, managerial change will, will help the team, uh, their morale get up and they started scoring goals again and, they look formidable both at home and away. They, like I said, that one game against Kievo, they dominated them completely. Then they get a three nothing win against another relegation battle. So that's that's the big six points there that you know that they got. So Crotone are are back on on the forefront, and you know they could do some moves. They're not. They're actually a little bit better than they were last year. Uh, they found that that experience of being in Syria uh, has served them well, and they may make this out of make out of this. I mean, I. You thought Spa was going to be out of there. I thought, I mean, I thought we both, we both thought Hellas Verona's room would be able to stay up, but uh, neither right now are are able to keep up with Crotone. So it's it's uh, good for them. Yeah, I had Crotone, Spa, and Benevento for the drop uh, before the season. So yeah, they're uh, they're 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 weaving their magic again. Uh, I'm the idiot who picked Benevento to stay up and uh, Crotone to go down. <laughs> oh, I, it doesn't. It, it doesn't really make that doesn't make you an idiot. It just uh, you just made a bad pick. So, <laughs> so uh, but yeah. So that's uh, that's that. Uh, Crotone getting the win over Hellas Verona. They are safe for now. What do you got? What do I got? There's so many good games to choose from. I'm gonna go with um, Lazio against Kievo. 
That was that was a goal fest. We needed some goals. We've already had plenty of goals uh, and on Sunday. Sunday was filled with with goals through the nine games. This game was uh, another one. Uh, the, the scoring started early with a guy who uh, was in our squad, Finora. He's a Spanish player, young guy who um, came out of nowhere this season. Luis Alberto getting that goal in, getting getting Lazio up one nothing. Everything looked like they were going to be on cruise control, but just two minutes later. Uh, Pucciarelli, Manuel Pucciarelli for Lazio. He got Lazio, he got Kievo back into it. It was a nice, pretty goal. Um, then when I said, when that goal went in, I don't know about you, Frank, but I thought maybe Kievo gonna show up to this game. They're gonna give Lazio a little fight. Maybe Lazio wasn't ready for it, but, um, did you think, were you thinking that when that goal went in? Um, you know, I mean, there's still plenty of game left. It's, 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 it's a classic. You're at your most vulnerable after you score. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and uh, and 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 Lazio kind of got caught with their pants down, as we would say, um, and uh, you know, and uh, and and Kievo took advantage. They scored through uh, Manuel Pucciarelli, and uh, yeah, it was game on. At, it was it was game on at that point. But uh, we would we would learn that it didn't last long, did it? Yeah, one of our uh, players of the season uh, decided to take the things into his own hand, and it wasn't Immobile, but it was Sergei Milinkovic Savic. Cerca trova la collaborazione di Parola, poi il tiro, il gol. Il gol della Lazio con Sergei Milinkovic Savic. He would score to make it 2-1 and uh, get Lazio back into the lead. And it didn't, you know, the first half would end that, that score 2-1. to one. Um, You know, Milinkovic Savic again, you know, it was a nice pretty goal. It looked like uh, the pass, I guess that pass was intended for him originally, but um, he a nice, nice low finish in the bottom left corner. Uh, there wasn't much the goalkeeper could have done of that. I guess he wasn't expecting it to go where, where it did. Yeah, no, it was a well taken goal there. Um, and, uh, getting, uh, you know, getting, getting Lazio back in front. But, uh, you know, some of that joy, um, and, and, and being ahead 2-1, uh, got met with a little bit of, uh, bad news just a few minutes later as Chiro Immobile had to be substituted off with an injury that, um, from what we understand, uh, he's going to be out a few weeks, isn't he? Yeah, and it's, and it's an unfortunate loss for them. I mean, yes, they got plenty of goal scorers, as you can see in this game. Uh, they, they have plenty of goal scoring ability, but uh, he is, you know, he's, he's right now he's Capacanieri, and, and he's, he is the goal scorer for a team. He's he's the assist man for the team too. Um, he leads the team in assists. So uh, losing a, losing a charismatic player like him, uh, it's gonna, it's going to be tough on a team, and we'll see how Lazio deal with this uh, with this injury. Hopefully, it's nothing too long. Just a couple of weeks uh, would be fine, but anything more than that. You're gonna to start to worry and wonder what uh, what lots here are gonna be made of. We're gonna to have to find out. Obviously, you have guys like Luis Alberto, Sergey Milinkovic Savic uh, um, to help out, but we'll, you know you need you need Immobile in that lineup ultimately. Yeah. Diagnosis uh, uh, in about 48 hours, uh, according to the uh, chief medic at Lazio uh, on Immobile. So we'll know something here by midweek uh, as to his status and how long he uh, how long he's going to be out. Simone Inzaghi seems to be pretty confident. Uh, in what's available to him. You have Felipe Saicedo, who has uh, deputized well. Uh, you've got yeah. Nani to work with. You've got Luis Alberto, who's having a great season. Milinkovic Savic is bagging goals. So plenty of quality uh, still there for Lazio to, to hold it down. Um, but psychologically, that can have an impact. Uh, when, you don't have, when, when, you're, when you're out there and you don't see the guy that, that you rely on to bag the goals for you. So we'll see how Lazio reacts. Um, you know, I mean, for this game, Richard, as you're about to explain to us, they, they reacted quite well, but let's see what they do long term. Yeah, yeah. So in the, in the second half began and, you know, Lazio were, were in good control of the game. Uh, it didn't look like many goals were going to come after this, 
But we were wrong. Our man Sergo Sergo Sergei Milinkovic Savic he scored this beauty. Poi Lucas Leiva al tiro al volo, il gol del 3 a 1. Ancora lui, ancora Sergei Milinkovic Savic. 23esimo del secondo tempo. Lazio 3, Chievo 1. That side volley went to the top, top of the net. What a beautiful goal. What a goal. What a goal. I mean, that's, this is what we expect this guy to do now. There, I know they questioned about a possible offsides, but he timed that perfectly in the volley. Oh, what a beautiful shot. It's, it's gotten to the point where I'm not surprised with what he does anymore. You know, he's, right? he's that good. He's that good. So, um, and, and, uh, he, week in and week out, he's proving it and, you know, the price tag keeps going up and up and up. And didn't PSG want him for 170 million or something like that? Uh, that was the rumor last month. It's going to be 190 now. So, uh, and, and, and rising. So I don't, I don't know if he'll get to name our numbers, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, he is going to be very, very sought after. And, uh, let's hope that, uh, Lotito and the folks at Lazio can do everything they can to hang on to him. Yeah, every time the uh, every time the announcer, every time Malinkovic Savic scored, he said, "Oh, his price tag just went up." And then when he scored yep. again, up, oh, it went up again. It's near 100 mil. Uh, so yeah, so Malinkovic Savic scored is up three uh, one. Lazio were in cruise control, but they decided to keep pouring it on. Bastos was scoring the 83rd minute, and then uh, the guy we were just talking to talking about Nani, he was scoring the 86th minute. It would wrap up a five one victory for for Lazio. But the, like I said, the news of the match was really Immobile getting injured, and hopefully it's nothing too serious. You worried about Kievo? I am. They've 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 let up a lot. There's a lot of games this season where they've given up four or five goals, which is ridiculous for a team that's mid table. Because I don't think they're going to be mid table for much longer, and they're just been free falling as of late. I mean, to be dominated by by Crotone, uh, lose to Benevento, they're they're really struggling right now. And I don't know how long um, uh, Rolando Mares or whatever his name is, uh, the manager over at Kievo, is going to last because. It's they need they need a change and they need something drastic and I think I mean I know the manager has done well in the past with 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 um with a dip in form like this but something needs to be done and I think it'll have to be his head ultimately. Yeah, Rolando Moran is the manager and yeah, I think he's on borrowed time um, over there and uh, sitting in thirteenth and six points safe from the drop, but but that uh, I think that table position really flatters them right now given the performances and given some of the results. So. Um, you know, so certainly, uh, uh, certainly one to watch out for and, uh, probably, uh, the uh, latest manager on the sack watch at this point. So, uh, Rolando Moran, it is, um, yeah. So, and, and, and as you mentioned, Shirley Mobile, that is going to be, uh, we'll, we'll see how Lazio react to this. It's going to be quite interesting, uh, to say the least. So. Um, moving on from that game, uh, we have uh, Sampdoria played host to Fiorentina. Sampdoria was featured in my uh, recent entry uh, for the Calcio consultant asking if they could sustain a top six finish. Um, and uh, I'm predicting that they don't. They must have read my – I'm bulletin board material for Sampdoria. I'm pretty convinced of it, Richard. Yeah, I think Caliarella <laughs> put that on the board there and said, boys, let's go get it for him. Take one on him. <laughs> and after 30 minutes, this still is a country for old men sulla destra Ramirez cross per Quagliarella l'aggancio stupendo Quagliarella Quagliarella e arriva il gol numero 13 di Fabio Quagliarella Sam 1 Fiorentina 0 la firma del solito Quagliarella Fabio Quagliarella uh, celebrating his 80th birthday we didn't talk we talked about Gigi at 40 and Quagliarella <laughs> at 80 uh, he scores in the 30th minute to put Sampdoria ahead he would not only 
on the hour he would score a second and then just eight minutes after that dentro per Ramirez ancora Quagliarella la palla sul destro e arriva la tripletta di Quagliarella si porta a casa il pallone Fabio Quagliarella Sampdoria 3 Fiorentina 0 a tripletta for the old man uh, putting Sampdoria in front 3-0 peaked we haven't peaked uh, Carlos Sanchez getting a uh, consolation goal for the visitors uh, to give Sampdoria the 3-1 win um Quagliarella just, uh, the old man continues to get it done. He's third in the Capo Cananieri on 15 goals. He's ahead of Paulo Dybala, Dries Mertens, Gonzalo Higuain, and Aiden Dzeko. That's, uh, he's in pretty, pretty impressive. The old man is trying to hang in there with these young guys, isn't he? And he's doing a job, good job of it. Uh, he's, he's dragging this team, Sampdoria, um, with him. I mean, as, as he goes, they go. I mean, yes, they have plenty of youthful, youthful talent on that team, as we mentioned numerous times, but he's the one who's taking this, taking this team, uh, where they need to go. And they, the passion that, that the home crowd that they have there too. I mean, he just feeds off of that. And you can tell, you can tell how much they love him. Um, he's, he's like, like Borriello did last season. He's just single-handedly almost carrying this team along with all his goals. And if he's going to get closer to the 20 goal mark, um, it should be interesting to see, uh, if he can, how many goals he can get? Be, uh, imagine if he got 25 goals this year. How crazy would that be? Well, I mean, that's uh, it, it's Luca Tony asked. What did what did Luca yeah. Tony have this season? That I think 22, uh, I think he had that. that he was season. like six, 65 years old and he had like 22 goals. Yeah, yeah. So, Cardi had 24 that year, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, but uh, yeah, what a what a what a season he's having so far. Um, and we're gonna find out pretty quickly about Sampdoria if, if, if they've if they've stopped this little slump or not uh you gotta remember they went into this break with a 3-2 loss to, uh, to Benevento yeah you know so they've had two weeks to think about that and uh you know Fiorentina unfortunately was the uh, the next opponent up for them and Sampdoria took advantage obviously but uh midweek they're going to make up that game with Roma uh from big game big game yeah Huge game for both teams, really. And interestingly enough, for match week 22, yeah, once again, the, the reverse fixture. So they, the Roma and Sampdoria over the next week are going to get to know each other quite well, um, you know, uh, you know, to say the least. Uh, Fiorentina, uh, you know, this is again, I, I attribute this to the just the growing pains of, uh, you know, we, we can say that they're ahead of schedule. They're doing some great things. They gutted out a, a draw, you know, against Inter. They 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 drew Milan. This has been a pretty tough slate for them these last, you know, four games. If you throw in the loss at Lazio, um, but now it, you know, Verona and then at Bologna before uh, hosting Juve, um, chance to uh, really need to go six for six if they're going to have a case for uh, being 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 finishing in a European place. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna need to uh, step it up. I mean, like I said, there, there have been tough games and. Maybe it was just the fact that, you know, Sampdoria finally woken up out of their slumber and that's why they, they exploded with the three goals by Claudiarella. But Fiorentina need to turn it around if they, if they're ultimately going to get into those Euro, Europa League spots. It's going to be, it's going to be a dogfight for the, for the Europe spot, European spots, both the two Champions Leagues and the, um, Europa League. Um, there's what, like seven teams involved in, the, in, in those numbers and those spots. So it'll be a dogfight for sure and Fiorentina um they're gonna have to bring it if they really want to because it's 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 not gonna be easy by any stretch of the imagination yeah yeah so they, they can get those six points and give themselves a little bit of confidence heading into that game with Juve um 
you never know. But I think that this is kind of the growing pain situation with them. I still, like I said, I think they're in, you know, eighth, ninth, considering all the departures, uh, kind of considering the restructuring that's going on over there. Uh, I think eighth or ninth and, and would, would be a nice, you know, baseline, nice floor for them to move on to better things the following season. So, um, what do you got next? I have uh, Sassuolo against Torino. Um, this is an interesting game, and I was, yeah. you know, two mid-table teams. Uh, two teams have been playing a lot better lately. Uh, Torino, their defense is starting to shore up now. Um, it's Sirico billing them out with penalty saves, apparently. And Sassuolo, they're 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 finally getting together and moving up the table. They had a little bit of setback last week, but this was a good test to see who was gonna who was gonna get the three points if anyone could. Uh, and Torino actually started out really early. Uh, John Obi, uh, got the goal in the 26th minute. Torino were looking pretty well, actually. Uh, this game featured, I think, something like six or seven yellow cards, uh, going on, but, uh, choppy it, game, yeah. Very choppy game. And, and <clears throat> it seemed, at, based on the first half, you know, it was one nothing going to halftime. It looked like Torino were, were going to be able to get all three points just the way they were playing. I thought they're, they're, they're playing very well, uh, considering who their, who their opponent was. But the second half, uh, it was a, a ghost from the past, it seems. Uh, a guy we don't see on the score sheet too often, Domenico Berardi, getting on the score sheet in the 54th minute to level it up 1-1. From then on, it was just, you know, KG game going back and forth. Um, no really good, great opportunities going either way that I, that I noticed. I may have walked away and a great opportunity happened, but it was, uh, it ended up being a 1-1 draw. And, you know, I mean, I guess before the game, you could see this being a 1-1 draw, but, the way Torino were playing, I thought in the first half that they were going to get all three points. Yeah, Walter Mazzotti has come in, and, and, and there's certainly a little bit more of a belief with the Granata now, yeah, um, yeah. which I think has helped. Uh, uh, you know, a nice little fit. I mean, when you move on from, you know, Sinisa Mihailovic, who's kind of a drill sergeant when it comes to managers, uh, and you go to a guy like Mazzotti, um, you know, I players will pick up a little bit, you know, and part of it is, is okay, new manager, I got to show him what I can do. Another is, it's okay. The, the, the guy who's been the burden is gone and, uh, you know, we can play freely. And they did that when they won three nil, uh, you know, two weeks ago, uh, you know, Sassuolo have been clipping along rather well. They beat Inter, uh, they drew Roma, um, you know, and they won at Sampdoria, uh, which not a lot of teams have been able to go and do. Uh, so under Giuseppe Iacchini, you know things were things were going particularly particularly well. I wouldn't necessarily call this a setback for them. It's it, it no. shows that they're on the footing that they should be on. You know them until you know you know a couple of teams that are balanced when they play against each other. I, the the, the Sassuolo Torino games last season though, and pity that this ended one one because uh, this was the fixture I think on match week thirty eight and it was a goal fest. It was like five to two or something like that. Yeah, I think yeah. the reverse fixture there was a ton of goals. And, um, you know we just. Pity we didn't get that from them this go around, but uh, uh, yeah, Domenico Berardi. Remember when everybody was drooling over him, and you know, you just you you, you couldn't you couldn't come up with the money to to to, to buy him from Sassuolo because he was too prized. Remember? Yeah. yeah, those were those were good times back then. Mm. So, <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's certainly you know he's certainly fallen off. Injuries have certainly played a little bit of a part in that, and trying to get back to being his best too. So. Um, are your thoughts on these teams and, uh, you know, where they're at with things right now? Just about, I mean, Torino 10th, Sassuolo 14th. They're where they should be, I yeah. think. Um, Sassuolo definitely not a relegation bound team. Uh, they're definitely, they're always a, a mid table team, in my opinion. I thought maybe they could sneak into the top 10, but 
Uh, they're they're in the mix, and that's where they should be. They're they're slowly going up the table. I mean, at least they didn't lose three points today. They or yesterday they got a um, they got the one point. It was today actually. Man, my whole my whole weekend is just gone. Yeah, Long it's all weekend, a blur. Many games. It's all a blur. Uh, all these games aren't going at one time. So, but yeah, no. Uh, Sassuolo are, are trending in the right direction, I should say, and so so is Turner for that for that fact. So, um, yeah, they're both mid table teams. I think uh, maybe uh, one of them can crack into the top ten. We'll see as the season progresses. But uh, uh, yeah, not, nothing 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 to worry about right now. No, no, they're they're both in they're both in good spots. They're consolidated at this point. They're 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 safe. Um, you know, they're safe from any potential from the drop. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I mean, Torino right now probably in the better position to kick on to try to see if they can threaten for a top six spot. They're going to need to get Andrea Bellotti back um, and get him back yeah, among the goals. Yeah. Um, you know, and Bain Yang is good in spurts, and, and you know, but there are there are games where he disappears and not much of an impact from him in this game. Um, you know, so uh, that's... Um, you know, so getting your talisman back uh, is uh, is critical for Torino to try to move uh, to move up from their current position of tenth. So, uh, moving on, we had at the Friuli, we had Udinese and Spal going at it. Um, uh, Massimo Otto's men really playing well. Uh, got them worked up to the to a top half table position coming into this game. Uh, you know, taking on a Spal team that's uh, you know fighting fighting for their survival as we would expect at this stage of the season. Uh, the Zabrete would open the scoring through Samir in the 11th minute. Uh, that uh, gave them the 1-0 lead, and it would go into halftime. Uh, and just four minutes into the second half... Palla cresta lì Antenucci con il destro e poi il gol! Il pareggio con Floccari! Sergio Floccari, what is this, 2004? Man, this guy is scoring as of late. He's been the, their main goal scorer, I mean, other than uh, Antonucci. is the two old men <laughs> scoring yeah. for these guys. Yeah, I, you know, they can't get Marco Borriello to do anything, so you might as well. So, uh, Borriello wasn't even on the substitutes bench. Um, yeah, yeah. That's how far he's fallen with the, uh, with, with the small setup and with the faithful at this he point. He needs to move in January, I think. I mean, it's, it's best for, because obviously he's not being used at Spal, and maybe he can go back to, to Cagliari and get some, uh, get his goals scoring well, swagger back. Well, where would he go? I mean, I mean, it's it seems like he's at a stage in his career where all he's doing is burning bridges at Cagliari first, and now it seems like it's fall here. So, um, Hellas, maybe Hellas Verona. <laughs> they need some goal scoring. Oh, to be a fly on the wall in that dressing room with oh, Cerci goodness. and Pazzini and Bordiello. Oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> so, uh, not good news for Spal because Crotone won to leapfrog them, uh, and Spal now sit in the drop on you know in in eighteenth. You know they've been pesky. They have been bothersome to teams all season long, and they have uh, they have scraped out results. But that's only going to do so much for you when when you are who you are. Um, uh, as for Udinese, uh, three point or two points dropped here. Do you think? Yeah, because I thought this is a game that they could, especially with the, given the form they've been in. Uh, this is a, t- a game that could have got all three points. Um, I don't know if it was complacency or what, but. Looking at the first half, you thought, okay, Udinese got this game. They could, they could probably win this game two nothing. And no, they got that quick goal. Um, yep. Flocari did, and then after that, it just they they tried to score, but um, they just couldn't get they couldn't get the job done, and get the three points. So yeah, more Spall in Spall in fact had more chances in this game. So which yeah. you know when you consider what uh, you know Otto's blueprint and the way he likes to do things, uh, I would not expect them to be. I mean, the possession was balanced in this game, but. 
I would have thought going in, Udinese will have have about 55 to 60 percent of the possession, and you know certainly going to have more of the chances. And that didn't happen in this game. So uh, bit of an off day for for Odo's men. Uh, they get a point out of it, uh, but maybe a missed opportunity to get all three. Uh, you know, and work their way a little further up the table. They're ninth rather than maybe potentially being joint uh, joint seventh with Milan, uh, or maybe seventh by themselves on goal difference over Milan. So. Um, Speaking of Milan, uh, yes. you got that uh, Cagliari-Milan game for us? Yeah, look, look, look at that transition. I mean, speaking about Milan, and now we're talking about Cagliari versus Milan. Um, this game uh, was interesting because we're... Obviously, Cagliari, their ultras last week uh, against Juventus, had that little little bit of a situation with uh, Blas Matuidi where they were chanting at him and that stupid nonsense. The, yep. odd, the head-scratcher was that nothing happened to the ultras or the fans in that. I know Cagliari came out and they apologized to Juventus about the and to Matuidi, but nothing happened to the fans. So it kind of segues what happens in this game. Uh, Cagliari got off to a hot start. Uh, the young super talent, Nicolas, uh, Nicola Barella, uh, with a nice goal in the eighth minute. I think it was more something Donnarumma. I thought Donnarumma could have got that one. What, what about you? It was, it was bad goalkeeping. I mean, the, the, the Donnarumma from last year, pre-big contract, he saves that. Yeah. I mean, this is this is what we've had with Donnarumma this season. It's, you know, he he's he's a step off, uh, you know, from where he was last season. Now, mind you, he made a couple nice decisions throughout the course of this game, so maybe it's starting to slowly come back to him a little. But you know, he hasn't been right this season, and I don't know if it's just all of a sudden he's got the money now, and you know that has an impact on you, and you're such a young player. Um, but, uh, yeah, I agree with, I thought that, I mean, Varela took his chance and all, you know, all credit to him, but, uh, the pace of the shot and the fact that Donnarumma saw it, that's, that, that's one you've seen him save before. Yeah. Um, and so that goal came, was actually really came off a Donnarumma error. So, you know, talk, looking in that sense, you know, according to whoscore.com, no player has committed more errors that directly led to an opposition goal in Serie A this season than Donnarumma, which would be three with this game. So, um, yeah, that, that's something that I thought he could have saved easily. I, I don't know if he just didn't expect a shot to come or what, but, uh, ultimately that's a save he needs to make, uh, if he wants to, if he wants the team to go anywhere. I mean, last year he would have made the save before the money, definitely, but, so I don't, I, I don't know if that's the, that's what, what's the cause of this or not, but, um, it is what it is, I guess. Um, so moving on, you know, both teams were getting chances both ways. Uh, and then in the 35th minute, uh, Kalinic was taken down in the box and a penalty was awarded. Uh, good call on the, on the penalty or how'd you see it? I think they got it right. Um, you know, the, uh, the contact in the penalty area, uh, you know, Kalinic was in a position to have an attempted goal. Um, uh, having said that, I don't know how good the attempt would have been. Um, yep. you know, I just, the position that he was in and the angle that he was in, the goalkeeper was in a good position. Uh, you know, so it's a poor decision for the defender to go to ground like he did. Uh, and he got a piece of Kalinich and, and rightfully so the referee gave a penalty. Yeah. I thought the, uh, it was, I, I agree. It was a, definitely a penalty. I thought, uh, Kalinich made a meal out of it too. Yep. Um, but it's still, a he, penalty. Sold, yeah, he, he sold it a little bit. Yeah, about he's it. a veteran, a veteran move. I mean, he got the call. Uh, it, it was definitely a penalty because the guy got all, all leg on that. Um, and then, so the guy who really has been playing really well in this game up to this point was Frank Cassie. So Frank Cassie actually stood up, uh, got the ball and, and took the shot, got the goal. So 36 minute penalty, uh, Milan are, are 1 1, looking pretty good at this point. Um, cause you never want to go into a half, you know, down, down a goal. Uh, but that's not where it would end. Um, there was some, uh, passing one around and 
was it Kalinich again that got involved in this? And he sets up a pass right in the middle to uh, Kessie once again. Allarga per Calabria, limite dell'area. Calabria prova la conclusione deviata. Kalinic per Kessie! Ancora Kessie! Il sorpasso del Milan con Frank Kessie! Frank Kessie with the brace uh, would put Milan up 2-1 going into half. And we were looking up uh, a little pretty there, up 2-1. What do you, uh, what'd you make of that first half? Well, for, you know, Kessie obviously stood out as, as the best player on the pitch, uh, yeah. you know, in the first yeah. half. And uh, Reno Gattuso, after the game, uh, <laughs> he said, Frank Kessie is far better than I ever was. Um, <laughs> you know, which is like, okay, uh, let's not get <laughs> easy now, Reno. Easy. <laughs> Excited. It's an away win. It's all this other stuff. But, uh, but yeah, uh, Gattuso's a legend uh, as a player. Kessie's still getting started, so... Um, you know, but, uh, it's, it's a little bit of overzealousness, which is great. Uh, you know, but, uh, Kessie was the best player on the pitch for me in the first half. And I, I want to give credit to Nikola Kalinic. We have dogged him so much. Yeah. Um, but he was influential in this first half. He obviously got the penalty, but that was outstanding holdup play, uh, to set up Kessie second. And, you yeah. know, yeah. we, we, we think, okay, if you're a center forward, you should be scoring goals left and right. But what doesn't show up in the stat sheets is those little moments like that. Uh, you know, where you help keep the ball. And, you know, and another player that I want to give recognition to, I thought this was, you know, this was Davide Calabria's best game since the last game he played. I mean, yeah. this, this kid keeps getting better. Um, yeah. You know, which, you know, the, he keeps this up. Milan aren't going to be in such a hurry to bring Andrea Conti back from injury. Yeah, it's funny what pitch time does to you, you know. Uh, yeah. We, you know, we, we, we've hammered this for how long now? You know, if yep. you get on the pitch, you're, you're going to get better. It's, it's natural to do that. Um, so you, just him sit rotting away on the bench. He's not going to get any better. So obviously these games, he's, he's getting better and it's, it's nice to have Banucci back there with, you know, you can ask any questions you have, you know, positionally and whatnot. Uh, but he, he played really well. He's always been really good going forward, but defensively also he played really well. And, uh, that's, that's, that's a, that's a joy to, for us to see as Milan fans. And, you know, like you said, before we were, uh, just every day counting down the days for when Conti's will be back. But uh with performances like these by Calabria, uh we're not gonna have to worry as much about it. You know, no. he can he can hold the fort down until uh he comes back. No, I definitely agree with that. And we talked about the youth. You mentioned it on your spot on Sirius XM FC. Why don't we you know why doesn't Milan play the youth more? This time they did. I mean Calabria obviously got the start. Yeah. Um well, and came in. We, yeah, when he made the had to make the substitution to get an extra tackling style midfielder in he preferred Locatelli over Montalivo uh you know to come in for Jack in the second half so that was another that was another highlight where you know you gave a nod to the youth which was good to see yeah the one and um you know it's it's funny you know Lucas Bilia actually had a decent game as well oh yeah um, but I want to talk let's talk about a guy who didn't have really that great of a game and that was Ricardo Rodriguez uh he ended up getting a second yellow in this game and got the red card um, luckily for him and for Milan fans, uh, Nicola Barella also was feeling, uh, uh, charitable, I guess you would say, and he got a second yellow, so it ended up being 10-10, but Ricardo Rodriguez was having a, had a poor game, and it's, it's, it's been getting worse for him. It's like, a, it started out fairly well with him in the season, but as the season progressed, he's been getting worse and worse, it seems. I don't know what it is with him. It's, uh, something's mess, I don't know. Defensively, you can tell he's not that great, but even offensively, he's not doing as much as he did in the beginning of the season. Well, you watch a little more Bundesliga than I do. Um, yeah. You know, that league tends to be a little more free-flowing um, in terms of the tactical setups. You know, yeah, yeah. Serie A has gotten to that to an extent, but there is still a lot of hints of Catanaccio and, 
um, you know, tactical rigidity and defensive framework and organization. And I think it has been the toughest transition for Ricardo Rodriguez. Uh, you know, there, I think we've got a couple of players at Milan now that, you know, came over from Bundesliga. Chalinoglu is starting to get his rhythm, uh, you know, playing, you know, regularly in Serie A. He came over from Bundesliga, uh, yeah. time at Bayer Leverkusen. But I think, I think that Ricardo Rodriguez has found the transition to be difficult. I think, first of all, defense, we, we we're learning defensively. He's a bit of a liability. Um, yeah, yeah. especially defending set pieces. Um, you know, so when you don't do that very well, um, and you are struggling to provide the kind of influence you should when Milan are in possession with service, with getting forward and creating crosses, you're basically being asked to do what Juve get with Alexandro. Uh, and if you're not living up to that, it's, you know, it, it's going to get tougher and tougher. This might be a situation where, Rodriguez needs this season to just get it felt out, and then maybe yeah, next season yeah. it's a little bit better. We've seen that happen a lot. Aiden Jekyll is a great example. His first season in Serie A was rough. Second season, he's Capo Um, You know, because sometimes players come over from another league, you know, where the games are a little more open, and they find it hard to adapt in Serie A. And I think that a little bit of that is going on with Ricardo Rodriguez, but it, he's also gotten exposed defensively. And the, the two fouls today were just just awful. He could have been sent off for the first uh, for the first booking. Yeah, and he yeah, and he could have got a, a booking even before that second yellow. So he was just it was clamorous all the way around. Uh, but ultimately, you know, the game would end two one in favor of Milan. And look out now, they're in seventh place. Uh, they've been you know they have been pretty the wins and and the points, but they're going up. They're moving up the table slowly but surely. Um, they're ahead of Atalanta now, and uh, they're just behind uh, Sampdoria. So. Uh, look at it. Uh, they're, they're knocking on the door of a uh, Europa League spot, which is, uh, I didn't think we'd be saying that a, a month ago. So, well, um, they're on, they're on an unbeaten run here in all competitions, four matches. Yeah. And I think that win, uh, over Inter, uh, in the Derby in the quarterfinal of the Coppa Italia, we, we could, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. We could be looking at that as a turning point. Yeah. Now, Sunday they play Lazio. Um, uh, huge game. Uh, we know what happened in the first leg. I mean, I think there might be some comfort in the fact that they don't have to deal with Immobile. Uh, Not after today. Did you see yeah. him go with his court without him? <laughs> yeah, but it's Kievo. I mean, it's uh, we're, we're we're starting to expect. We this scored with, four against Kievo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, we're starting to expect this with Kievo. So, you know, I think it's a good spot for Milan. First of all, they get him at home. Secondly, they get him in a situation where this is their first. Four. Will they be in that same kind of rhythm? Uh, you know, so, you know, so there's, there's that that is going to answer. Then they got to turn around and play him again in the Coppa Italia semis, uh, midweek. So we thought, we thought, we saw, hmm. we said Santoni and Roma are going to get to know each other quite well here in the next week. Milan and Lazio are going to get acquainted quite well here, uh, yeah. over a period of time as well. Yeah. So, but, you know, going to Udinese isn't going to be easy. Going to Spal isn't going to be easy. And that all happens before their first leg against, uh, Ludogratz, uh, in the Europa League. So, um, I'll take some comfort that this was an away win here, um, you know. And when you look at going to Cagliari, nobody's going there and blow, nobody's going to Sardinia and blowing Cagliari out. Juventus needed all ninety minutes to put them away two weeks ago. Yeah, so they're tough at home. Yeah, so this is a good away win. It's not easy to go to these island uh, clubs and come away with three points. Now, um, what, 
Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry about that. So, you know, so, so in those respects, this was a, this was a big, big win. This was a big three points. Oh, absolutely. Anytime you get, anytime you get points, three points, in fact, in, on the island, um, that's, that's, you consider that a big, big victory. Um, uh, cause it's, like you said, it, with the travel and everything, it's just, it's a tough place to play. Um, and before this, before this, um, preview or this highlight, I talked about, uh, the crowd interruption with, um, Matuidi last week. Well, that, they reared their ugly head again and they were chanting this time against, uh, Frank Kessie. So this time, uh, FIGC and they don't do something about this. Uh, I don't know what you got to do. They need to ban, they need to close the stadium for the next game or at, at the very least, I think they should just ban the ultras from, from coming in there, but, um, they'll find a ways to get in. So you, you need to do the stadium ban. It's two weeks in a row now with, with Cagliari. Uh, it's, it's unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, it, plain and simple. I agree. Uh, and let's, uh, let's, let's hope that, uh, finally they get, um, finally they get something done about this. Uh, you know, you know, if you're putting a warning on them after what happened with the Matuidi incident or you, you just simply didn't find enough, that's one thing. But now it's, it's, it's got more and more evidence. So yeah, something, something should and better be done. So, um, uh, we'd like to start talking about Cagliari on the pitch instead of what's going on in the stands. So, yeah, Diego Lopez is doing a decent job over there with him. Yeah, hey, you can't, you know, okay, Juve and me. It's the same thing as when, when these, you know, fixtures started on match weeks one and two. Okay, Juve and Milan are out of the way. Let's uh, let, let let's get on with it and start start accumulating some points. And in this case, try to uh, try to achieve some safety. So, rounding out the Sunday games uh, on match week twenty one was the main event, uh, Inter and Roma. Uh, uh, they're acquainted. Uh, Luciano Spalletti knows the Roma players quite well from his time there. Um, the reverse fixture, Roma were beaten at home by Inter 3-1. Uh, now a chance for Eusebio Di Francesco's men to exact a little revenge here. And it looked like they were on their way after 31 minutes. La profonda per Esharawi, Mane Santon, Esharawi, verso la porta di Andanovic, Esharawi! Stefano Esharawi! La Roma la sblocca con la fuga in campo aperto del Faraone! che arriva davanti ad Andanovic e con il tocco morbidissimo porta davanti la Roma con il quinto gol del suo campionato. The Pharaoh, Stefan El Sharawi. Great goal there, Richard. Oh, yeah. what a ch- First of all, what a great pass by Allison. I don't know if he yeah. knows what he intended. Um, it was poor. I don't know if it was Cancelao on the defense there, but poor, poor play by him. Yeah, he missed the ball completely. And then El Sharawi with a, with a cheeky little chip over the goaltender. Perfect timing on that. What a beautiful goal. I mean... And a big game like that—that's that's the kind of goals you want to see. Does the does the uh, Cancelo and Candreva partnership work for you on the right? I feel like they're two players that are that are in there to do the exact same thing. Yeah, it does not. And I, I noticed on Twitter right after that goal, every every Inter fan was pretty much saying, "We need a right back. We need a, we need a right back." I mean, it's not working for them. Obviously, Candreva has his moments uh, offensively, but you know when when he as far as a partnership with the right back. It's not there with him and they need to, they need to shore that up, you know, immediately. Cause, um, right now both Roma and Inter are playing, they're, this is their dip in, their dip in their play. So, um, you need to correct that if you want to get out of that and you want to do some damage, uh, going and try to make a Champions League spot, you know, get to three team battle right now. Uh, you need to shore up that right back position and, um, maybe bring in something like Lissandro Lopez will help. Maybe he can shift out to right back. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's, uh, we'll, we'll see what that does for them. But the game would, you know, Roma would have this 1-0 lead. Inter, you know, would start to get into this game a little bit more, generate a lot more shots. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they blew away Roma on shots, 17 to 5, 9 on target to just, I mean, Roma's only shot on target was their goal. 
Um, uh, DiFrancesco gets this and says, hey, I've got the one nil lead. I'm going to try to get out of here with the three points and start yeah. substituting accordingly. Gerson comes off in the 70th minute for Bruno Perez, a defender. Uh, five minutes later, El Sraoui is off for one. Jesus. Uh, so <clears throat> it looks like they're situated with, you know, three central defenders. And then you've got, you know, Florenzi maybe tucked into the midfield. You've got Perez in there. You've got Kolarov in there. <clears throat> really just trying to flood everything to prevent the inter onslaught. And they could, and uh, they looked like they were going to get away with it until the 86th minute. Ottimo il controllo, le finte. Brozovic prepara il cross, palla che arriva. Di testa! Il gol del pareggio di Mattias Vesino! Come all'andata! Buca la Roma! Arriva sul cross di Brozovic! E l'Inter fa 1-1 con il secondo gol in campionato di Mattias Vesino! And of all people, Mattias Vecino uh, scoring the equalizer for Inter. And this game would end 1-1. Richard, we got a question. Uh, from uh, one of our listeners uh, at Wolf Forest Arts uh, asked, did Di Francesco blow it by changing tactics and trying to hold on in the last 20 minutes? Roma went so deep it was inevitable that Inter would equalize. Uh, do you agree with what our guest, uh, with what our listener says? Yeah, uh, Di Francesco tactically got this wrong. I know some Roma fans, I think John Solano was uh, comparing him to, uh, to Garcia, Rudy Garcia, um, tactically wise, but yeah, no, there's no reason at that point to go into defensive shell. You're doing well. You're, you're, you're probably on the forefront of the game at this point. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. You know, you're not making any mistakes defensively. They're not getting many opportunities. You're controlling the game. Keep doing it. Get that second goal. Then maybe I can see you pulling back. Even then, uh, it drives me crazy when these teams go into pre, prevent, prevent mode defense, uh, and then the other team starts taking over. Uh, as soon as that goal was scored, I tweeted out and I said, "I said, I would, don't be, I would, don't be shocked if uh, Inter come back and get that game time goal, which they end up doing, because um, the teams and, and it just, it's inevitable with this, with this game that it was going to be a tie. Um, but without a doubt, for all the tactical brilliance that Di Francesco's had this season, and even the first half of this game, uh, being on the road and getting the one goal advantage, he got it wrong in the second half. You try to, you try to, you know, shut it down at one nothing, which I mean." You can do that by still playing the same way you were playing before. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. He got it wrong, and ultimately they were made to pay the price and lost the two points they could have got. It's uh, you're damned if you do it and you're damned if you don't do it kind of thing for yeah, me. Yeah, people would yell at him if he didn't do it. And yeah. And they lost or drew. Exactly. I mean, he could have kept it the way it was and tried to push for a second goal and got stretched and Inter come back on the counter and score, and we're having the same discussion. Well, why didn't he? We're having a reverse discussion. In fact, why didn't he substitute and why didn't he get a little more defensive knowing he had the three points in hand, had to ride it out for 20 more minutes? So, um, <clears throat> you know, so it's, uh, you, you know, if if you concede a goal, hindsight's always 20-20. So um, that's, uh, that's, just, uh, that's just what happened to, to go on here. But, you know, Inter, you know, certainly generated a lot more chances and, had the more attacking approach in this game, I think, than Roma did. So certainly, to, to me, they deserve to get something out of it. Um, For you, uh, is Allison man of the match? I mean, how many amazing saves did he make in that second half? Oh, Inter, for, me, in, for me, he was matched, man of the match. Inter could have Inter could have blown Roma away yeah. today had it not been for Allison. So yeah, he is. And he got uh, an assist. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, any I mean, anytime a goalkeeper gets an assist, it's he's you know, and, and the result goes in his favor. To some extent, you've got to you've got to tip your cap to him. So, can I play devil's advocate here for just a second? 
Sure. There was a play in the first half where I thought a penalty was missed. Icardi was going down against Manolas, and Fazio ended up running him over in the penalty box, and there was no call on the play. I thought that should have been a penalty. Um, did you did you see it the same way, or, or, or are you fine with a no call on there? This was in the it was in the first half, right? This is in the first half, yeah. Manolas and the, the incident with Manolas and Icardi. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I <laughs> that's yeah. one where you know that's one where it's it's you know the no call, um, and and, and even if they would have gone with VAR, they probably would have stuck with it. They wouldn't have reversed it. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just one of those, you know, it's just one of those where it's just way too, way too close. Uh, yeah. Had they given that, the game could have changed completely in that in that, in that respect. Yeah. Um, but you know, it did. It was like ultimately it wasn't called, and the game ended up being draw. I mean, I thought I, from the onset, I thought it was going to be a, a, a tight affair all the way through. I didn't think the one team was going to be more dominant than the, than the other. Both teams they they started out the season really hot, and then, then now they're they're really cold. So, uh, fair result. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. I I I agree. Honors even for the way both teams approached the game and the way it ended up being executed. So. Um, uh, and, uh, kind of just make the whole race for third and fourth positions here in Serie A very interesting, uh, as we go. So, uh, um, Monday we have Juventus hosting Genoa and that will round out match week 21. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this, do we, Richard? <laughs> no, Genoa have been playing better as of late, but it's, 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 a, it's pretty much a straight up no brainer. Juventus is going to win this. Probably it's Juventus at the J. They've only conceded one goal in the last six weeks. Um, two nothing, I see. Yeah, I, I think it'll be two nil. I think this is going to be an Allegri, you know, first game, first full game without DiBala. But we've already said, and I pointed this out in my uh, in my recent blog post, Allegri has come up with a system where he doesn't need DiBala. You know, he's got the the trio of Matuidi, uh, Pjanic, and Kadira in midfield, and he can play Cuadrado and he can play Mandzukic. I think that's how he comes out tomorrow uh, with Higuain as the striker. Um, and uh, you know, I think that it's a it's resource it's a resourceful Juve. They're not by any means a team. This is not a system that and a lineup and a formation that is is built to win games three and four nil. Um, they're going to be built to keep the ball. They're not going to be as, as dangerous in that front third without Dybala's presence, but um, the combination of that midfield five and striker and then with what they've been doing defensively and the performances from Chesney uh, in Gigi Buffon's place is all going to add up to uh, a 2-0 win. And it's Gigi Buffon's 40th birthday. You really think yeah. Juventus are going to lose or concede a goal on his 40th birthday? No. Absolutely not. So, uh, Genoa, you guys have been getting better, uh, but this is a spot where you just kind of take your medicine and move on. So, that was match week 21. Go to at Serie Sit down on uh, Twitter or Instagram with your reactions to what you saw from the games. Okay, prior to closing this one up, we're going to answer a, a couple of questions here, Richard. Uh, yes, yes. Let's see here. Uh, we had Mark Adams. Has Lazio finally proven that they are serious Champions League contenders? Um, yes. <laughs> uh, at first, I, at the beginning of the season, I didn't think they were even going to be in the Champions League discussion. Uh, I thought Europa League was possibly possible there, but they've shown the last few weeks, and they've shown in the last several months, really, that they can score goals, just as many goals as Napoli can, and probably more at this point. And... Um, 
they have, you know, when Immobile is not scoring, they have a plethora of guys who can score. Milikovic Savic, uh, Luis Alberto, Felipe Anderson, um, Bastos. I mean, guys from defense plan- scoring goals. So they're, they're more than capable of doing it. And you've seen how they played in the big game. They, they're the first team to beat Juventus at the J Stadium in, what, two, three years? Um, and every, they, they, they've played well against Roma in the Rome Derbies. Uh, they had good results throughout the season against the big team. So they are definitely um, a strong contender for Champions League. I agree with that. Um, you know, Inzaghi continues to find the resources to come up with ways to win. Uh, I don't think they're going to be terribly phased by the Immobile injury here, regardless of the extent of time that he's going to be out. Um, I think that, uh, you know, Saicedo, like I said, he'll deputize well. Uh, I think they'll have some rough games without Immobile. Uh, but I think overall they're not going to be harmed, uh, you know, too significantly. Um, so I, I, I think they're a serious contender and they're right there on the points. They've got a game in hand on, they shared the number of points with Inter, 43 apiece, and they've got a game in hand on them. So, uh, Roma there on 40. Uh, and right now, until somebody else decides to make some noise here, those three teams are vying for the last two Champions League spots for next season. So, uh, knowing that Napoli and Juventus are probably the two horse race for the title at this point. Uh, so I, I, I definitely agree that Lazio have, have proven themselves here um, and uh, and are definite contenders. I don't think that this is a mirage. I don't think that they're going to have a massive drop-off. So yeah. uh, we'll see what happens when the fixtures come thick and fast and they have to play in Europa League and, and how they balance that out at that point. You know, And then obviously they're in the Coppa Italia semifinals as well. Does this squad finally get spread a little too thin? Um, you know, that'll be, uh, that'll be interesting to see. But other than that, they, they haven't given any indication as to why they shouldn't be competitors. So, um, Mark, Mark had the second, another question. His question was, uh, his second question was, he gets the case for Kolarov, but surely the signing of Lucas Leva has proven just as valuable. Totally controlling the pace of games for Lazio. Do you agree? Mark, I like you, but pump the brakes. <laughs> uh, he's had a few. He's had a few good games. We're talking about the magnitude of how Kolarov has contributed to Roma uh, and was key to helping Roma win a group stage in the Champions League, uh, a group that had Chelsea and Atletico Madrid. Um, you know, and, and and you talk about some of the other signings. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I said Lu- Lucas has not let you down. He's been a good signing, but. Um, you know, in, in, in terms of value with respect to what Kolarov's value was at Roma, eh, I, I can't get there. What do you think? Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously Kolarov is doing a fantastic job over there. Uh, but what the reason I think Lucas Leva is playing so well is because of the performances by, Luka, uh, by Milinkovic Savic and Luis Alberto stepping up their games um, this season. And then so by teams, players, more, more, you know, focusing on them more. He's allowed the more freedom and he'd be able to control the pace because of that. Um, he's done very well. I mean, who, who would have thought he would, his probably, this is probably one of his best seasons he's had in a long time. Um, coming from, you know, where he, where he was before Liverpool. I think this is probably the best game, best season he's had since his, his Liverpool days. So, uh, but I think all that has contributed to the fact that the players in front of him uh, and the, and the attack are, are doing so well that they're attracting, attracting all the attention. So it's going to be a little bit easier for him. Uh, but he's doing, he's doing an admirable job. He's doing, he's doing a very good job. Um, People thought that when they lost Lucas Bilia that the team would crumble, and he stepped right in there and, and filled, in, filled in that void. But I, like I said, it's, uh, most of that credit has to go to uh, Milinkovic Savic and uh, Luis Alberto. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, 
you've got you've got Luis Alberto, you've got Milinkovic, Savic. I mean, there's been a lot of contributors with that Lazio team too. Adam Arosic is having a great season. Um, yeah. You know, uh, the, the defenders Bastos keeps scoring goals like he should be a striker. Um, you know, and not a center back. You know, he he's he's filled he stepped right in for Wesley Hoke, um, who moved on to he went moved on to your Premier League team there, Southampton. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So and 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 you know, DeVries having a nice season. Uh, did we really think that Thomas Dracoja would still be the starting goalkeeper for Lazio at this point? Um, that eventually Marchetti would come back into the job. Um, you know, so there's been a lot of good contributions from this Lazio team, and they're going to all have to continue to maintain that level. Um, you know, uh, you know if they're gonna if they're gonna finish this thing out top three, top four uh, here in Serie A. But uh, Lucas Leva's right in there, uh, you know, and he's had some uh, he's had some good performances um, uh, for uh, Simone Inzaghi's men. So uh, finishing it off, match day twenty two. We obviously have midweek. We have uh, 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 Sampdoria. We have the Juve Genoa game on Monday, Wednesday. Sampdoria and Roma will make up their game. Uh, but match day 22 is going to start on Saturday. We've got Sassuolo hosting Atalanta, uh, Kievo hosting Juventus, and then on Sunday you have Spal v. Inter, Crotoni v. Cagliari, Fiorentina v. Hellas Verona, Genoa v. Udinese, Napoli v. v. Bologna, Torino v. Benevento, and then you've got the big ones, Milan, Lazio, and then the reverse fixture with Roma and Sampdoria. Uh... What do we look forward to here on Match Week 22, Richard? The battle of the Champions League and Europa League spots between Milan Lazio and Roma Sampdoria. Um, it's curious to see what, what, what Roma Sampdoria do in the first game during the midweek. Um, but it'll be interesting because, you know, if say if Milan pull out some shock draw in this game and, you know, Roma beat Sampdoria, Milan are getting closer and closer to Sampdoria because those two are, they're only two points apart. And then, and on the flip side, you know, Roma and Lazio, <laughs> They're, they're, they're even closer together. So, I mean, um, what are they? Oh, actually, they're three points apart. But still, uh, anything can happen in these games. I mean, Roma and Lazio are going to want to, want to outdo each other. And then same thing with uh, Milan and Lazio, or Milan and Sampdoria. So, uh, this could go either way. I, you know, if I'm going to pick, res- pick results, pick, I have predictions for this game, you know, even though despite Milan being at home and Lazio being without Immobile, I think that, I think there's too much of Lazio scoring wise and what they have to offer compared to Milan. I think it'll be close, but I, I think it's probably like a 2-1 game there. And then if you look over to the Roma Sampdoria game, um, I'm not sure which team or which team is, you know, for real. I don't know if Roma are coming out of their shell. Is Sampdoria, um, have they gotten back into winning ways? I don't know. Um, It'll be interesting. I think that that game has a draw written all over for sure. I I, I think because I I'm, I don't know what to expect from either team. I don't know if either team is for real yet. Um, have they figured it out yet? So we'll see come midweek. You know how the teams look. Maybe I'll change my mind after that. But as of right now, I'm I'm not convinced by either team. So uh, I think it'll be honors even there. I'll drink the Kool Aid. Milan will beat Lazio. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, okay. And I'll go two one. Uh, okay. You know, for that one, I think that this will be the you know for, for first game minus Immobile is going to shake them a little bit. Uh, you have that going for you, and I think this I think Milan are starting to you know get a little bit of steam here. So I, I you know why not? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I, can, I, I eventually I'm going to be right uh, on on Milan. Uh, so <laughs> um, 
Roma and Sampdoria, I'm with you. I think that's a draw. Um, you know, I think Sampdoria found their footing a little bit here with the win over Fiorentina. I think Roma, you know, um, and I and I think that's a draw with it with the 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 game in Genoa and midweek being a draw as well. I think they'll be. I think both games will be honors even. So, um, I just don't think there's much between the two teams at this point. If if, if a team is going to win a game. Out of these two, I think Roma would win the home one, but I'll I'll, I'll say it's I'll, I'll be with you. I'll say it's a draw. Uh, my surprise of the week, I think Sassuolo is going to beat Atalanta uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I think Atalanta coming off the they did it first, I think the first the, go around, right? Uh, did they? They might. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past because Atalanta had all the distractions with playing in the Europa League. So right, right. Um, Yakini has Sassuolo a lot more organized, playing better than you think. Um, you know, there's, there's, they're, they're on a decent little run and they're getting some scalps here. And Atalanta coming off that defeat at home against Napoli, uh, perfect storm. Um, you know, just lost a big game, hung over, having to go on the road against the team. It's a it, it, perfect scenario for an upset to happen. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm going with Sassuolo for the shock over Atalanta on Saturday. So, you got any shocks in this, uh, uh, in this slate of games? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to go be as drastic as you are. Um, you know, maybe midweek, Udinese could maybe get a result against Lazio. Um, not, not against Sampdoria Roma. Really, nothing. Um, I'm going to say. I mean, it's not really a shock at this point, but I'm, I'm going to say that Crotone beat Cagliari. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's. Yeah, uh, I like the form they've been on. So. Okay, you got to get. You're going to take. Uh, take the. Uh, Take Cagliari on the road in that first game since having to deal with um, uh, Juve and Milan, and uh, you know they'll take their they'll, they'll they'll continue to take their lumps, and Crotone will continue to make their way up. That's a that's a pretty decent shot. I can see that happen. So, um, so that's uh, that's it. Any predictions that you have for match week twenty two? Go to at Serie A Sit Down on Twitter, Instagram, uh, with your thoughts, and that'll put a bow on this edition of the Serie A Sit Down. Time for a uh, shameless plug uh, and social media check. Richard, what are you up to? Um, I'm not going on Sirius XM right now, so I, I can't plug that. But um, yeah, not much going on. Just uh, trying to. I got a, another article I got to put out for the young stars of Italian football that I got to figure out who I want to write it on. I got some ideas, but um, yeah, other than that, not nothing really to plug. And as you guys know, you can always fi- follow me on Twitter at r underscore k h a r m a n. Yep, you can find me at ftc underscore twenty one. Calcio consultant on worldfootballindex.com. Latest piece was uh, story, four storylines I'm focusing on heading into uh, the rest of this season. Now that the break was over, we talked about the title race between Napoli and Juventus. Uh, Sampdoria, can they hang on to a top six place? Is the worst behind Milan, and can Benevento be Cotone 2.0? Uh, so go check that out and see what I think about those things. Uh, I'll probably come up with something this week, too. Uh, don't have a don't have an immediate theme right now, but I'm sure I'll come up with something. So uh, check that out. Give it a read. Give it a comment. If uh, if you disagree or, or want to have some banter, I'm always welcoming of that. And uh, you can go to at City. I sit down on Twitter uh, or Instagram uh, with any comments or any possible future points of discussion uh, for our podcast. So, uh, you know, for Richard, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to us. Uh, as always, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.